you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. We're going to jump into this in just a moment, part three of what was supposed to be a part three series. But as of last week, this is now a part five series, and this is part three of the fifth because God has a lot to say about the church and to the church, and I just got too frustrated trying to wrap it into three weeks, so I'm going to just put it on pause, back it up a little bit, and I'm going to share with you today the things that are in my heart. Next week, uh, we're going to preach a message titled, Why We Love the Church. I'm excited about it. I could almost fast forward to it, but I got to say something today first. So I hope you'll be here next week. We have a lot of good stuff happening on uh, April the 7th. Seed offering is next Sunday night and uh, next Sunday morning. I didn't, I didn't tell them in the first service, but I'm going to go ahead and just be bold that uh, I have been promised that the rendering of our new building will be done by Wednesday of this week, and we will be showing you next Sunday morning uh, our new church facility as we are getting ready closer and closer to uh, breaking ground, and so we're going to walk you through our new building. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet, the walkthrough part. But uh, we're excited about it, so we're going to do that next Sunday morning by faith in the word of uh, our builders, our architects, and everybody involved. And I'm not even looking over at my wife or Tad because they told me I probably shouldn't have done that. But uh, I, I, I obeyed in the first service, but the second service, I just had to, had to go with it. I had, I had to run with it. Amen. I'm speaking by faith, declaring those things, praying first. Come on, somebody. We are praying first, 2019, everything we're doing, we are challenging ourselves to remember to pray first, man. How many besides myself have done something already this year, and then it just slammed in the wall, and you were like, what happened? And then you realize you didn't pray first. Come on, besides myself, the rest of you, y'all are so spiritual. It's like, oh, no, I pray first about everything. Man, I want to be like you when I grow up. So it's going to be awesome. But uh, we really are. It's an act of discipline to really back up, slow down, and say, you know what? Before I make any decision in my life, not just major decisions, any decisions that could affect uh, my life, my family's life, my business, my finances, my church, you know, my future marriage, I mean... We need to pray first. It's better to pray first before you get married than to be praying desperately after you married the wrong person. And if you're already married, you need to go ahead and pray first. Ask God to give you the strength to stick to what you already committed to. Because you see, I believe that Jesus can heal everything. No matter how bad the marriage, I believe Jesus can heal it. So if you're married today, stop looking for a way to get out of it and start looking for a way to let Jesus heal you and your spouse and stop focusing on trying to get your spouse right and just worry about you. I found that that's the best thing for me in my marriage is is I can can just think all I want that if my wife could just get it right, we'd be okay. And most of the time she is right. And when we're not okay, it's probably because I need to straighten something up in my life. It's a rare occasion when she's not. But, uh, you know, in all of our lives, you making a big decision about finances for your family, boy, it's better to pray first. And then hear me, don't ever violate your peace. Okay, this is an appetizer. This is not the main meal today. This is an appetizer. Don't ever violate your peace. 
Whenever you pray and, and your peace just, boom, it's gone. Men, you pray and say, Lord, I want your will, and the peace is gone. Guess what? That's God speaking to you that this decision you're about to make, you need to put it on pause. Okay, that's a message for another time, but just I'll encourage you, pray first about everything. All right, before I get in the message this morning, I have three real quick pre-message words for you, and that is number one, corporate prayer. We are praying every week here at the Rocket Gainesville. We started this year out with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to continue all the way through the end of the year. In August, we're going to come back and have another 21 days of corporate pr prayer together because I believe that we need to hear from God, and uh, as we're just kind of seeking in his face Sunday mornings, uh, Tuesday mornings. If you have never yet been to a corporate prayer, I just encourage you, get, on, get your little sheet out there. We have these little uh, announcement sheets somewhere. I have one in here. And uh, they have all the times for everything. Encourage you to come out. Secondly, Growth Track, starting a new class next week, April the 7th. It'll be our fourth class uh, this year. We're excited. We've had uh, full classes in every class so far. We can only handle 15 or 20 people, but I want to encourage you. If you've been here ever since right, right after Methuselah died in the Bible, and you think you know it all and heard it all, if you weren't here last summer when I taught this live on Saturday morning to 100 people, I want to encourage you to sign up and go through one of these classes. Pastor Tad's facilitating. I, I do almost all the teaching on video, and uh, but I, I believe it will, it will help you. I believe it'll encourage you, stir you. And uh, if you're new to our house, it's one of the ways you find out who we are, what we're about, where we're going, what we believe. Matter of fact, in first service this morning, I, I saw a man and I went to shake his hand and he, and he gave me a big old huge hug, a big old tall man. And, and I said, what's your name? And he said, Zacchaeus. And I started laughing. I was like, wasn't that guy a little guy? He said, yeah, my daddy thought I was going to be little. So he named me Zacchaeus. And he said, I outgrew my name. And I said, that's awesome. But anyhow, I said, you look familiar. He said, oh, we met a while back, but he said, I've been in growth track the last, he was so excited, I've been in growth track the last four weeks, just finished last weekend, I'm ready to get in a connect group, find my place in this body to serve, man, I about did a hallelujah two-step, ran around the church, he got me so excited, but uh, there's a place, and we encourage you to come in there, in growth track, we're going to help you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and get a hunger for your life to make a difference here and now. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. And then thirdly, connect groups. Right after you finish uh, Grow Track, we want to help everybody. We believe everybody in this body should be connected to this body through a small group. We need you and you need us. I have three groups going on right now, three groups of men, uh, and it's pretty cool. I didn't plan it to happen this way, but I meet on Monday mornings at 6 a.m., three different groups each Monday morning. The fourth Sunday, I mean the fourth Monday, I take a break and sleep until 7 instead of 5, and it's nice. But uh, on those three Mondays, I'm meeting with a, a group of 12 men in each group, and uh, we're, we're excited about what uh, we're challenging and stirring each other. At the end of this year, I'm going to pray over them and release them and tell them to go uh, do the same for other men in this house over the next year. That's 36 men I'm believing that will disciple and nurture or be a connect group leader for uh, 36 times 3, whatever that is. Uh, my math used to be really good, but it's, it's, it's more than 12. And, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. If you think you can make it in the body of Christ by yourself, you're deceived. And I say that with all the love that I have. You can't make it alone. You just, you get beat up, you can't make it. The enemy comes to bring all hell against you and he beats you up. You get sick, go in the hospital, nobody's there for you. We need each other. 
And we don't need to wait until we're desperate to go, oh, yeah, pastor was right. I really do need some people in my life. Women need women in their life. Men need men in their life. Couples need couples in their life. We need each other. And we believe the word of the Lord to our house is that we are to meet in small groups uh, throughout this city on a daily basis. We have groups meet every single day of the week. So you can't say there, there, I, there's just, I can't ever find time to do this. We have a group every day, some groups meeting, and we want to encourage you to find your place and get in. All right, I got to get into my word this morning. Start that clock back there and help me. So as we're, we're jumping into this, this is week three of Y Church. And uh, to, today I'm going to go a little bit further than I did two weeks ago. Uh, church is God's idea. And we're going to look at that. And we're going to, uh, I'm going to share a story with you that I'm pretty excited about that, uh, goes back 2,000 years, and yet it's fresh and relevant today. You'll understand it when I share it with you. But a couple of weeks ago, actually right before we started this series, my assistant sent me, uh, Suzanne and I, Melissa sent Suzanne and I, uh, uh, an artist, a song from an artist that uh, she wanted us to hear. And it's really a song about Easter. It's a great song. It's a powerful song. But uh, in this little uh, Apple thing that she shared with me, it actually had two songs. And so I went on to the second song. Well, the second song just lit me up. It's about the church and it's about the the recognition of of needing the body of Christ, needing the church. And so I've listened to that thing about 25 times. I actually wanted to do this live for you, Not, not actually me singing it live for you. But, but uh, anyhow, so the second best thing was we came on this video of the actual artist who sang it. It's powerful. It's less than three minutes. This is what I want you to do. I want you to listen to the melody. It's beautiful. It just, it'll speak to your spirit. But I want you to read the words. They're going to come across the screen. It's a very simple. It's black and white. It's beautiful. It's less than three minutes. Uh, but, but I believe if you're struggling in your life today with uh, the church or the body of Christ or being faithful or understanding some of the things, this song's going to speak to you. So listen to it before I bring the word. There was a time that I swore I would never go back. I was blind to the truth, didn't know what I had I was running, I was searching But every place I turned for healing Left me more broken than the last Take me back to the place that feels like home To the people I can depend on To the faith that's in my bones Take me back a preacher and a verse where they've seen me at my worst to the love I had at first oh I want to go to church trying to walk on my own but I'm wound up lost now I'm making my way to the foot of the cross it's not a trophy for the winners it's a shelter for the sinners And it's right where I belong Take me back To the place that feels like home To the people I can depend on To the faith that's in my bones Take me back To a preacher and a verse Where they've seen me at my worst To the love I had at first Oh, I want to go to church I want to go to church Oh, more than enough 
To the people I can depend on To the faith that's in my bones Take me back To a preacher and a verse Where they've seen me at my worst To the love I had at first Oh, I wanna go See, I, I believe the, 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 the words of that song, I want to go to church. What he's singing about is I don't want to go to some building where no one is. He, he, he's speaking about what we've been talking about for three weeks, and that is we are the church. We're the, we're the ones that Jesus Christ, given by the Father as the first and perfect gift, came and was willing to walk on this earth, to do amazing good works, to die a horrible horrible, painful death to go to the grave so that he could be raised again. And in his resurrection, he was raised so that you and I could be forgiven, find freedom in his love, find freedom in the blood that was shed on Calvary was to wash and cleanse every single one of us. Why? Because God wanted to establish a people, a church, a bride that eventually would become so mature in him, a church without spot or wrinkle, so that in the time of the father, he will say to his son, go get her. Go get your bride. Man, what a day that will be. I was speaking uh, recently with some men, and, and a couple of them believe that the church age has come to an end. And I listened, and I started to jump in on the conversation, and I was listening intently and, and realizing that I did not believe what was being said, and I had no desire to be in an argument. I just knew that for, for what I believe and what I believe we're walking in, the church age is not only not dead, the church is alive, it's growing, it's mighty, it's, it's affecting the the world that we live in all across the nations of the world today, the church of Jesus Christ, many, many nations are suffering horrible persecutions. They're under trial. They're being arrested. They're being beaten. They're being martyred for their faith. And they are a part of that church that is no longer not only a, a needed and necessary, but it's way beyond being non-effective. The church is powerful and it's mighty. And I believe we have every right to get to be a part of it, even here in America. Because God wants to do something that's significant, it's powerful, it's mighty, it changes us from the inside out. So today, I'm going to say some things, and, and I'm not going to say them in any way to be offensive, but I, I, I've got to tell us today, there are things that the Lord is calling us to do, and it's time for us to grow up, it's time for us to hear his word, it's time for us to stop giving lip service to God, it's time to say, when I take up my cross to follow after Christ, that there is a reality of what that means. Means. And it doesn't mean I just attend church a couple of times a month whenever I feel like it, whenever I'm not busy, I'll put it in on my calendar. But it's literally when you belong to Christ, hear me, you belong to Christ fully. Yes. You're either fully his or you're fully not his. 
24-7. You no longer belong to yourself when you have received the, 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 the grace of God in your life to be forgiven. You no longer belong to you. Yeah. I no longer belong to me. That's why I go where I go. That's why I do the things I do. That's why I'm willing to pay the price because anything that God's called you to do, hear me, he's already graced you to do it. I don't sit around anymore praying, oh God, if you got to call me to that, I really need some grace here. No, no, no. All you got to do is walk it out. Be obedient. Take up your cross. What does it mean? Man, God's calling me to follow after him and I want to follow after him because that is the only place of real life and of real complete contentment. In Christ Jesus. You can't get contentment in religion. Can't get contentment by following the laws. Jesus came not to abolish the laws, but to fulfill the laws and to make a place where you and I could rightly become sons and daughters of the living God. So much so that Jesus said, we're joint heir with him. And where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? He's doing the Father's business. What is that? He's making intercession for you and I that we'll catch hold of what he's called us to do. And that we'll be it. And that we'll do it. When? 2019. Right here, right now is a great time to, to begin to go, you know what? I'm tired of apathy in my life. I'm tired of complacency in my life. I'm tired of just going to church and checking off my box and thinking that's enough. There's got to be more to this life than the life I'm living. Hear me. There is. There is a life when you step out in faith to say, God, I want my life to count. What do you have for me to do today, this week, this month? I'm going to tell you a couple of stories in a minute, and one of your thoughts will probably be, natural thought would be, well, Pastor, why would you go there if there's a potential of something happening? Because if God calls you to go there, he graces you to go there. And then no matter what happens, his grace is sufficient. I'm not going to not go somewhere and do the gospel because I'm afraid something bad could happen. My gosh, you're not ever even going to get out of bed tomorrow morning. I'm going to get up today, but man, CNN, Fox, and everybody else says it's a bad day. You know, I get on the airplane, but you know, one crashed recently. I, 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 I go to work, but you know, a lot of people are dying these days in car accidents. I go get my hair cut, but you know, sometimes those barbers, they can nick you. I mean, just name it. And there's something that the world is promoting of fear. And you go, well, I'm not going to live that way. Of course not. But hey, what about when he's ready to take you to the next place? Man, something is going to require faith and obedience. Why? Because you're just tired of feeling blasé. I mean, hear me. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are, we are the ones who once were lost, but now we're found. We were blind. But now we see. We had hopelessness, and, and now I got hope. I was without faith, but now, wow, do I have faith to believe whatever God said. I want to line myself up with it because it's going to take me a place where my life can never take me. Because God has a plan. Because God can use every single one of us individually in ways that we know not. I want to read you a passage of scripture. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles if you want or look it up on your smartphone or read it on the screen above my head in just a moment. But I was reading a few weeks ago, and I told you this, the week I started this message, I was reading uh, Romans chapter 16, sorry, uh, I'll get there in just a moment. 
You say, Romans 16, isn't there only 16 chapters in Romans? Yep, there is. Isn't that last chapter just all about, you know, say hi to everybody that did something for me and I appreciate them? Yep, that's it. And, and so a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just saying, Lord, what about the church? Do we need a greater revelation on it? Holy Spirit just began to speak these things. I started reading and I'm researching and I'm looking up stuff and I'm finding books that are they're dealing with this thing or that thing. And, and uh, so eventually I just decided to go back to scripture. That's a good place, right? After you've gone through all the other resources, it's always good to go back to the word of God. So I went back to the word in my U version on my phone and I just typed in church, just plain, simple church. Well, there's not one old covenant reverence reference to church because Jesus came, died on the cross to give himself for the birthing of the church, Acts chapter one. Matter of fact, if you want some homework this week, just go read Acts chapter, uh, just read the whole book. It's fascinating because Acts is all about the establishing and the birthing of the early church. Matter of fact, how many Gentiles are in the room this morning? You say, well, I'm an American. How many Gentiles? Meaning you're non-Jewish. Okay, there's Jews and Gentiles. Okay, listen, in Acts, you're going to find this amazing conversion of this man named Saul. He was out killing Christians, trying to do the work of God. And, and all of a sudden, God says, I think I can use him. He's pretty devoted. He's pretty on fire. And so, and so the Lord speaks to him on the road to Damascus with orders to arrest all of the early church that was without shame proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of his trip on the road to Damascus, all of a sudden the Lord shows up in a bright shining light and, and Saul falls off of his horse and he looks up and he said, uh, my Lord, my Lord, what do, you, what, what, what do you have for me? Wow, what a revelation. You mean he didn't do the four easy steps to salvation? Oh, they haven't even been written yet because you know, that was over in Romans and, and he wrote Romans. So, so we're looking at this guy that has this amazing experience. And the first thing he says is, what do you have for me? You say, well, pastor, what was that whole thing about you want to know who were Gentiles? Every one of us that are saved today, take it all the way back to Apostle Paul who heard and obeyed against the early church of Israel and Jerusalem that the gospel wasn't just for the Jews, but for us Gentiles as well. And Paul was willing to pay horrible prices to bring the gospel to the Gentile nation. And today, if you're saved every once in a while, you ought to just stop and say, Lord, I just want to thank you for my man, my friend, my good buddy, Apostle Paul. I know he lived 2,000 years ago, but I'm saved today because his gospel went to the Gentiles, which eventually went all over the world. Wow. And he preached and proclaimed. So I'm reading all this stuff, just having a good time one day, and I'm reading through the 75 verses that have to do with church, and I'm just literally praying through them. I'm just, I'm just reading it and praying it. Man, it, it had to do with everything except buildings, and you know that. I don't have time to go back there, but it had nothing to do with buildings. had to do with the church, those who have been blood-bought, washed and cleansed, and who gather in places all over the world to worship him, the one true living God, and then meet from house to house during the week as they did in the early church because God knows we can't make it alone. Say amen to that. You can't make it alone. You're struggling in some area of your life. You're a man and you're struggling. You need some other men in your life. And you know what? You don't have to even go into a lot of detail. Just say, I got a problem and they'll start praying there because they know what you got. They know what you've been dealing with. 
When you need to, you go deeper. And you say, man, I'm struggling with this, and I want victory, and I'm tired of being beaten up. You're not going to do it alone. you got to have brothers. Girls, you got to have women in your life. you got to have each other. The older women speaking into the younger women's life. Older men into the younger men. Brothers and brothers. Sisters and sisters. We need each other. And that's all a part of the church. That's why we stand up here week after week and say, man, if I could beg you or pay you $10 to get you to go to Connect Group, I would. But, but you, you see, you got to understand. you got to lay down that arrogant pride that goes, oh, no, no, I don't need anyone. I just come to church, pay my dues, do my thing on the weekend, and I'm good. No, you're not, and you know you're not. Because you know if you had a sister speaking in your life, that sister would be all up in your face on Friday night when you want to go be stupid. Smile. Just smile. It's okay. Smile. I'm saying this because God loves you. I'm saying this today because I love you. Because God has something for us to do, but to do it, we got to grow up. We got to get mature. We, we, got, we got to fully get into that which God has for us. We got to lay down our lives one for another. We got to find out what the church is all about. It's about community. It's about being there for each other. It's about helping each other. When one's weak, uh, the, the strong ones lift them up. When, when, when another one's weak, then, then that one now becomes strong, and, and he's lifting or she's lifting them up. Now, we need each other. So in this... I'm reading these scriptures, and let me just read them to you. Okay? I'm going to read you five verses in Romans chapter 16, then three at the bottom. It says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sintuaia or Shreya or Sintuaia. Uh, uh, if you can pronounce it better, go ahead. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Do you just see how quickly I just read through that? Paul says, man, she, she laid down her life for us. I mean, when's the last time you knew someone in America that actually had to lay down their life so that others could live? We, we have in America such a necessity to understand the church of Jesus Christ is so much bigger than we are. Yes. So much bigger than we are. That's why we need to read more, pray more, and when you have an opportunity, go more. Because it'll open up your life and it'll open up your eyes to an understanding of the significance of what many people today that love God just like you and I do, but they pay horrendous prices because they love Jesus. Verse 5 says, greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. And then verse 25 says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles, how many of the Gentiles? So that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want you to just go back there to verse 5 real quick. It says this. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. And all of a sudden, as I'm reading that verse... It literally just came alive in my heart the significance of this man who I have read through many times in my life because I've, I've tried to read the Bible through on, on a 
pretty um, consistent basis. So I know I've read through that verse, but never before in my life has verse 5 of Romans chapter 16 jumped out. But all of a sudden, here I am, and I'm reading about this guy, Eponidas. And Paul says to those that he's exhorting, encouraging him, um, them with from this letter that he's written to the church at Rome. And he says, by the way, make sure that you greet my friend Eponius because he's been a brother. And all of a sudden I'm looking at that and I go, whoa, you're telling me that in 2019, the church in China can go all the way back to the days of the early church, and there was a na- man named Eponidas, who was a disciple of Paul, who took the gospel that he had received freely, and he went back to Asia, and he proclaimed Jesus. And in 2019 today, there are tens of millions of believers across the nation of China. Forget all of Asia, just China alone. Tens of millions of believers. And it all goes back to this one disciple named Eponidas. I get it right now that about 80% of y'all don't see the significance of it. Don't ever tell me again one person can't make a difference. Don't ever tell me that, well, you know, pastor, I'm just a male or I'm just a female or I'm 70 now or or I'm this or, you know, I don't talk really well or or I don't have this much education. And and we bring all these butts to God. God's not limited by by our butts. (laughs) I knew where that was going. I tried. I didn't have any other words to get it out. But he's not limited to that. He can do something so significant in your life in 2019. Hear me. If Jesus tarries and you have five generations come behind you, what is the fifth generation, the fourth generation? What are, the, what are your children's children's children, children's children going to be saying about you a hundred years from now? I can tell you this. If all you did for them was give them some money and give them a house and give them a car and pay for their education, they won't even remember you. They won't remember you. Nobody will be writing your name down going, oh, yeah, tell my friend Eponidas. Whoo, you bless me. You bless me. Just bring a greeting to him. And, and, and I'm looking at that because over the last few days, and, and I've actually mentioned this to you guys uh, for a few weeks, actually, actually ever since I got back from Cuba, there is a lot of persecution going on around the world today. And just in the nation of China alone, Gabe Hewish, one of our men, sends me an email two days ago, and he says, Pastor, have you read these stories? I just came across them on the uh, China Southern Post, South, South China Morning Post. And he said, this is in the, this is in the uh, news that's going out across the land. He said, have, have you heard about these? And so immediately I went to him, and, and in talking with our connections there in Chengdu, and being told, Pastor, we are living in the most difficult days for the Christian church we, we don't even, we can't, nobody's lived long enough to go back far enough to say there was a time when it was worse than this. Hear me. It's 2019. We're sitting in America deciding today, am I going to Disney World or church today? Right. Right, so it's going to be a pretty weekend, you know, that it's going to start raining tonight. We, we should maybe just, you know, we can do church next week. We'll just run over the beach today. And there's nothing wrong with going to the beach. There's nothing wrong with going to Disney World, except it comes into play on all of our decision-making. How can I be fully 100% for God when anything else 
has 90% of my heart. And I start reading these articles, and the first one talks about in the city where I'm going to be in October of this year. A few days ago, in one night, they came in and they raided one church and arrested 100 pastors in one night. Arrested families, began to shut down the building, began to threaten them. Well, I, I, I'd heard of this pastor before. I'd seen his picture and I'd read some of his story. And so I started reading through. I was just digging up every bit of information I could find. And, and, and I'm reading this story. And, and this pastor says it's so powerful because it's the only church in that whole region that has come out and said, we're going we're gonna to meet publicly. We're going to meet in, in an open air place. And they have hundreds and hundreds that gather on a weekly basis. And on a weekly basis, they're raided, their pastors are arrested, they're threatened, their families are threatened, their kids are threatened. And this pastor said, we will not reject Christ. Matter of fact, this one pastor said, when they arrested me, all they wanted me to do was simply reject Jesus and I could do whatever I wanted. And he said, you understand, I do everything I do because of Jesus. I am who I am because of Jesus. And this pastor states this. He said, to every last person in our church family, for the light afflictions that we are now going through, light afflictions. I started scrolling through and looking at pictures where pastors were beaten, their heads were were, were caved in, bruised eyes, bruised faces, uh, hands just literally, the skin ripped off their hands, feet beaten, uh, uh, arrested on a regular basis. And this brother has the nerve to say in 2019, this light affliction for the glory of the Christ who gave it all. He said, we will preach until there's no one left of us. Can I tell you something? There'll be some left. God's always going to have a remnant to those who hunger and thirst after him. He's always going to make a way and a place and their voice will be heard. Then I flip over to a second article and it states this. In a city that we were at, there were about 40 of us uh, from our church family 10 years ago, went to this university in a university town, had an awesome time preaching the gospel. We had open doors on the campus. Well, now, now in this city, they are offering five to 10,000 yuan, which is about 1,500 U.S. dollars, for neighbors to turn in their Christian neighbors and reveal to them where Churches are meeting underground. Listen to this. And the most rewards are going to those found with a foreign pastor or preacher or cleric involved in unauthorized gatherings. $1,500 to arrest for any information leading to the arrest of a pastor. And I read that, and I go, wow, we're living in some amazing days. The church of Jesus Christ is not backing down, is not walking away, is not backing up in fear. The true church of Jesus Christ, and and we say here in America, well, we, we don't have those kind of persecutions, so we don't have to deal with those kind of things. We have to deal with our own kind of things. Our wealth and our blessing and our stuff and everything that we have. Is as great, is as, a, as great a deterrent yes. for American Christians yes. 
as being brutally beaten in other nations because there's a cost. For to me to be faithful and say, I need y'all. I need you in my life. This is not a once a week thing for us, for Suzanne and I, for the church. You know, once a week's not going to get it for anybody. I mean, we really are joined and joined and knit together as brothers and sisters, moms and dads, fathers and, and, and brothers and, and moms and daughters and, and grandparents and uncles and aunties and, and our neighbors and our friends and, and people from other nations of the world that have been gathered in this one place. Why? Because God has a plan, a purpose for the church in America. And even though we might not be threatened to be beat, we have to pay a price to grab hold of that which matters most. And that is, God, what matters most to you? I want it to matter most to me. You see, God gave his very best. He didn't give second best. He didn't give third best. He didn't give leftovers. God gave his only son, Jesus Christ, who was willing to come out of heaven to the earth and to walk and to do good and to bless and to serve and to help and to teach and then ultimately to be beaten with rods of iron, flesh torn off of his body, crown of thorns pressed into his brow to such a degree that his facial expression changed and wasn't recognizable. And then they put nails in his hands and in his feet, and he died. A horrible, painful death. My God, my God, he cried out, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, he took your sin and my sin upon himself. And his blood was shed. Why? So that we can be 21st century, do what you want to do, Christians, playing games. Want to make it to heaven? We just want to make it to heaven on our terms. I got something to say to you today. It's God's way or it's no way. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want anybody to get mad and get up and leave. But I want to tell you this. You will not be able to stand before Father God one day in your day of accountability and say, God, it's not my fault. My pastor never told me the truth. If I wasn't willing to take up my cross and follow after you, Jesus, it wasn't because my pastor didn't tell me I needed to. It wasn't because your word didn't tell me I needed to. It wasn't that your Holy Spirit. It's because I chose. I wanted you, God. I just wanted you my way. Church, there's only one way, and it's his. And I don't walk around fearing and, you know, am I going to mess up? Not, no, 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 man. I'm right with Christ. You have every ability to be right with Christ. Die to self, take up the cross, and then you say, God, what do you have for me today? I know it's 2019 in America. I know things are pretty good. And I know even when we think that we're being persecuted and woe is me and things are tough, in comparison to what's going on around the world, it ain't nothing. So therefore, God, what what do you have for me to do today? What step of faith is it going to require? Because you see, Jesus was given as God's best. I want to ask you a question. Is what you're giving back to God your best? You giving God your best? All that you have? Everything that he's requiring of you? Or are we settled into that American church mentality? Just, 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 preach, just preach something sweet and good to us and help us just to help a few people do something. And, and don't, don't require too much. 
I'm sorry, but he gave it all for us. And guess what? He wants it all back. Your whole heart, mind, soul, everything. And once you decide, God, I'm giving you my all, guess what? That's the toughest decision you'll ever make. You say, no, no, isn't it walking it out? No, no, no. You got to settle it. Because once it's settled, once it's settled, you'll go wherever, you'll do whatever, you'll say whatever, you'll be whatever God wants you to be, do, and say. Once you settle that, he's going to make ways where you didn't even know there was a way. He's going to send you into places you didn't even know existed. He's going to use you to touch someone's life. And don't tell me that your one life can't make a difference. hundred years from now, somebody might be saying, man, back in 2019, there was a young woman, there was a young lady, there was an older gentleman, and, and they made a decision to go all in for God. And today, a hundred years later, I trace my life back to that uncle or that grandfather or that friend of a friend of a friend of a, of a cousin or a sister, or a mother or a grandfather. I want my children not to be standing around when I depart this world going, what did daddy and Baba leave us? I want them to talk about my life will never be the same. Because what was most important to my dad and my grandfather, my great-grandfather, was to do the will of the one who did his best for us. I want my life to count. And I believe you're sitting in this room today because you want your life to count. So bow your head and let me pray for you. Father, right now, over every believer in this place, no matter where they are on their journey of belief, no matter where they are on their journey of faith, no, no matter how, how shallow they still are or how deep they've go, gone into the water, Father, which is the water of obedience to do your will, Father, I pray for each and every one of us. I don't want to just exist. I don't want my life just to, 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 to be over one day and I look back with nothing but regret because all that you did for me, I squandered thinking it was about me. When really, you want to do so many things for us because you want to do them through us. You want to bless us abundantly above and beyond what we could ask or think because you want us to be that kind of avenue of blessing into other people's lives. Both here in America, Cuba and China, and Jamaica, and Honduras and Peru, Africa, Haiti, Eastern Europe and Russia, Japan and Korea. Father, the nations of the world, you love those who are lost. Help us as believers. Help us to get off that path of excuses and on the pathway to the journey of obedience. Stir in us, move in us, work in us so that our lives will make a difference in this world. With every head bowed and believers are praying right now for just a quick moment, I want to speak to anyone that's sitting in this congregation today or you're watching online. And Jesus is not Lord of your life. He's not the best in your life. You have not given your life over to Jesus. Maybe you once walked with God. Maybe you once went to church. Maybe you even go to church now. But if I ask you the question, where are you with Jesus? He is not the first and the foremost of your heart and your life. You still are. And today, the Father has given you 
all that you have need of. Found in his son Jesus. He gave his best. And today for anyone in this place or watching online, you haven't received that best from God. Man, today could be the greatest beginning day of your life to get you on the path where your life will have value and your life will matter. He loves you so much. And all you have to do, the word says, if you will confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you begin your journey. It's not the end of your journey. It's just the beginning. We'll teach you. We'll help you. We'll get you baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Ghost. We'll help you on your journey. But it's got to begin first. And this morning, with every head bowed in this place, it's just between you and Father God and me as the pastor. I ask you the question, do you know Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? And if he's not, do you want him to be? If you do, today, right here, right now, we just lift up your hand and let me recognize it and pray over you this morning in this place. Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you, dear. Yes, sir, God bless you. You can put it down once I've seen it. Thank you so much. There's others. There's others, I know. I prayed for you. I asked God to bring you here. I know there are some watching online today. You, I can't see your hand, but God does. You can email the office this week or call. You can say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Today is the beginning, the day of salvation. Today when you're putting all the junk, religion, and everything else, and you're saying, I want to start fresh. Jesus, I invite you today. Anyone else, quickly, want to join these three that have responded, raise their hands. All right, I'm going to invite the whole congregation to pray this prayer. Those of you that raised your hand, those that didn't, but you want to pray it, pray it in faith. Today, even without raising your hand, God can save your life. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you today because I need Jesus. I don't have a problem with Jesus. I had a problem with a lot of other things but not with Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming, for dying, for coming out of that grave for me. Today, I'm inviting you into my life, to my heart. I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and my mindset that kept me rejecting you. Today, I'm no longer rejecting you. Today, I receive you. Thank you for forgiving me, cleansing me, healing me. And this day, as much as you've chosen me, this day, Jesus, I'm choosing you, giving you my life. I'm choosing to serve you the rest of the days of my life. I pray this, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and let's give the Lord a praise for these this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.